Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Mailbag Edition. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and she's going to ask me random, unexpected questions that people have asked, period. Okay. Well, yeah, so our mailbag edition is actually the brainchild of Joe Jackson here in our office. He serves in many different ways, but one way is our audio engineer, and he thought, you know, Miles answers all kinds of questions. Why don't we share them with everybody? So we have a bunch of questions here. I'm going to see if we can't stump Miles, and we're going to start off with steel. I'm starting off easy here, Miles, all right? So the first question is, how can you tell if a piece of steel is cold rolled by looking at it? Well, by looking at the steel, we're going to look for a couple of things. Hot rolled steel has iron oxide scale on it. Iron oxide scale is very hard, it's very abrasive, and if it got contaminated in the coolant in your machine tools, you would be buying a lot of tools. So if I have a bright metallic finish, it's not hot rolled, it's probably cold finished. Straightness with virtually no deviation will be another sign that the steel that you're looking at is cold finished. If it's bright and it's straight, it's probably a cold rolled, cold drawn, cold finished bar. Straightness is important in your shop. If you're going to hold concentricity, you're gonna hold locations, Straightness is pretty easy to tell. If there's virtually no deviation, it's probably a cold-drawn, cold-rolled bar. If it looks like the dog's back leg or a pork chop bone, that's probably hot roll. What are some other ways I can tell? Well, if I'm looking at it and I'm also allowed to look at the micrometer, the size tolerance on the cold-rolled material is going to be in much tighter control than it will be on a hot rolled bar. So not only will the tolerance be wider on the hot rolled bar, but it will vary all over the place, including out of round. On the cold drawn bar, I'm gonna be holding just a couple of thousands, and the out of round will be no more than half of that size variation. Finally, not just by looking at the bar, but if I'm allowed to listen to it, if I drop it, a cold drawn bar will probably have a bit of a ring to it, whereas the hot rolled bar will kind of be a dead, a dead kind of sound. Now that's not foolproof, but it's a way to, to figure that out. Okay, I've got another one here, and this is, this is a different question. Why is steel making still such a primitive and environmentally disastrous process technology? Isn't it time to outlaw the present process in order to save the planet? Primitive technology. You know, I understand why people might think that steelmaking is primitive. We still use mud refractories to line our steelmaking vessels, the troughs, our ladles, even the tundishes in our caster. We've got really good at making custom mud refractories to contain the hot hot liquid steel. But if you want to see something that's really primitive and really environmentally unfriendly, let's think about what life would look like 
without steel in our life. Ooh. There would be no metal for plumbing, like for toilets. <laughs> no steel for appliances, for cooking or refrigerators. So our food safety would be non-existent. I could go on and on. But the bottom line is steel adds tremendous value, not just to our quality of life, but the quality of life on earth. Well, that makes sense to me, and I'm not living without my plumbing, so. Okay, we have another question here. I'm keeping you in the steel world, still giving you some softballs. We're comfortable. Okay, what is the difference between 1018 and 1045 steel? Well, that is a softball. So 1018 steel is a low carbon, it's a plain carbon steel. We can tell because the first two digits begin with, it's a one and then a zero. The first two digits are the indications of uh, steel's relative grade or alloy. And a, the one is the first digit says it's plain carbon steel. The zero means there's no additives. And the 18 is the mean or average carbon content. So 18 carbon, maybe it goes up to 21, 22, maybe goes down to 16. This will be a steel with highly weldable characteristics. It's not going to be fun for machining. Uh, it will be able to be cold worked uh, in processing, staked, swaged, or uh, otherwise cold rolled. And it's not sold for mechanical properties. So if you need high hardness on the outside for a particular application, this grade would need to be carburized in order to get that mechanical property on the surface. 1045, similarly, plain carbon steel, no extra additives, average of 45 carbon. This one's not gonna weld as well. This is going to be much higher strength because of the higher carbon content. And it's gonna be found in applications where there's power involved. Power takeoff shafts, axles, pins, rods, gears, bushings, things that are really transmitting power is probably where we're going to find 1045 over 1018, which is kind of more of a structural grade. Uh, you can find out mechanical property estimates in the SAE information report, J1397. That's where I go to get nominal mechanical properties. It's uh, old data, but it's, it's been authenticated over the years. So that's the difference between 1018 and 1045. 1018 will weld, 1045 will need some tricks to weld. If I've got mechanical properties requirements, 1045 is probably my choice. Okay, we got two more questions here. The next one is, what's the term manufacturing? Oh, we're leaving my domain of steel. Just a little, just a I little. I get it. So manufacturing, I, I love etymology, the study of word origins. And I wasn't the best Latin scholar. And Mrs. Ponte, God rest your soul, I do remember the lessons you gave me in Latin one. The word manufacturing comes from two Latin words. The Latin word for hand is manu. Think of the word manual. Manual labor. 
do it by hand. The Latin word factere or facere, I know, Mrs. Ponte, I wasn't real good at pronunciation, actually means to craft or to make. So when we say to facilitate, it's that F-A-C root word from the Latin. Oh, okay. To craft, to facilitate, to make happen. So manu, by hand, to craft, manufacture, literally in the Latin form, means to make by hand. On my mother's side of the family, they're, they're from England, we actually have a family motto. And that family motto is mente et manu. It means literally with mind and hands. That's as opposed to harvesting or fishing or mining. There's no Dimitris in the mente et manu genetic line. Manufacturing means making things. No longer means making them by hand because now we need so many things and they need to be so consistent that we create processes so that we don't have to make every stitch one stitch at a time by hand. All right. Got a little Latin lesson there too, see? Elementary schooling paid off. Okay, so here's the last one that would normally be a challenge for some people, but I think this might be an easy one for you. If you could keep only one book from your bookshelves, what would it be and why? <laughs> well, as anyone who's been in my office knows, we keep a lot of books. Books truly are the distillation of the world's wisdom. But if I can only have one book, I'm only allowed one book, that book is probably going to be my Metals Handbook Desk Edition. Let me show you. Whoa, that book's huge. The American Society for Metals put this out back when they were called the American Society for Metals. Would you like to take a guess as how many bookmarks you're looking at on this book? I think I'd rather guess how many jelly beans are in a jar because there are a lot of bookmarks and they're worn. They're used, they're loved. I'm guessing there's 29 or 30 Easily. bookmarks on here. And so you say, well, what the heck does a book have? I can find all this stuff online. Well, I just opened to one bookmark and here's, here's a picture of a sheer cut end on a round bar being cut by a straight blade. It shows a burnished area, which is caused by the blade's penetration. It shows a slight distorted area due to that force being applied. And then it shows the greater part of that bar end diameter as a fractured area. It's not just a saw cut end we deal with in our day-to-day -day work. Here's an example of what a shear cut looks like and why. That's just one bookmark in this how many thousand pages book. Have no idea. No. It doesn't have it by page number. So if there's a fire, I know what you're grabbing before you, you get out of the building. Absolutely. You asked about 1045 and 1018 differences. Yeah. Here in table seven is a machining table for turning 
medium carbon alloy steels. Wow. So depth of cut, speed, feet per minute, feed, inch per rev, tool material, and then whether you're using high speed or carbide tools, here's the grades, here's the condition. Is it hot roll, annealed, or cold tron? Here's the Brunel hardness for each condition for these medium carbon alloy steels. Look at here. Here's some structures under the microscope of commercial die casting alloys. Here's typical carbide structures. You can see the spheritization, how they've rolled the carbide into little balls, not because the balls roll better, but because there's increased mean free path between the balls, which means the tool stays in the soft white stuff, not hitting those hard little black ball things so much, which would otherwise be spread out like a lattice in this picture. Listeners, I wish you could see him right now. His eyes are lit up like it's Christmas morning. So here's one with no bookmark, and it shows a discontinuous chip, a continuous chip, and a continuous chip with build-up edge. This is the fundamentals of our craft. One book. All those things I got to talk about. This one I take for granted because I've had this long ago, but... This is chapter 27, Elements of the Machining Process. What's the one book I can keep from my bookshelf? Metals Handbook, Desk Edition, American Society for Metals. Definitely made a case for keeping that book. It's, no worth, doubt. it's, it's worth its weight oh. in gold. <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps up today's mailbag. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the questions. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org. Yes, thanks for joining us. And please rate and review this podcast. And if you want to make your life a little easier, you can subscribe to our podcast so you never miss one. Carly, where do they send the questions for next mailbag? Oh, great. Okay, so please send the questions to me, C. Miller at pmpa.org. Again, that's cmiller at pmpa.org. As you heard from these questions, they don't just have to be about steel. They don't have to be about steel. And what I add to our PMPA deliverables isn't just about steel. If you're not already taking advantage of PMPA membership, we handle things like government affairs, emerging legislation such as the USMCA. Uh, we have statistical reports, technical assistance, many, many ways to help. Be sure to check out our website at pmpa.org and take a look at what we have to offer. Why is PMPA membership important, Carly? Because, because we're we are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us on our next Monday, speaking of precision podcast, Monday with Mark.